What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, Bitcoin? Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to On The Ledger. This is your host, Moel Sayed, and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. Today is a special day. Christmas has come early on The Ledger. I'm stoked and honored to have two very, very special guests. Two visionaries that thrive at the intersection of technology and culture. For this holiday special, our guests will actually be interviewing one another. Allow me to start with Gary V, a man that needs no introduction. He's the chairman of VaynerX and is considered one of the leading global minds on what's next in culture, relevance and the internet. A household name of Web2 with early investments in companies such as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Venmo and Snapchat to name a few. But recently, and not to my surprise, Gary switched gears and went full-on Web3, becoming one of the most influential figures in the NFT space and launching a project that you've probably heard of, vFriends. We'll get to that in a minute, but first allow me to introduce Ian. Someone that you people probably know if you've been with us on the ledger before. But if you haven't, what I usually say is that the internet's his second home. Being someone with eclectic interests in music, art, fashion, he's naturally connected to culture. And thus has been a contributor to major web and cultural landmarks such as Winamp, Beats Music, Apple Music or LVMH. And like Gary, Ian has transitioned to Web3 as Chief Experience Officer at Ledger to provide an easy and secure gateway to the space. Gary, Ian, welcome to On The Ledger. How are you doing? Really well, Mo. How are you? Good here, man. Thanks for having us. Great. I've been very, very much looking forward to this conversation as both of you are a great inspiration to me and I'm sure to many of our listeners as well. So let's get to it. On The Ledger, Season 2, Holiday Special, Ledger meets with Gary V. Here we go. Gary, good to see you, man. Great to see I, you, my I friend. A lot of years ago at a coffee shop in West LA, and I think we've both been a little busy since then. Yes, I hear. I hear. But uh, but I'm 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 gl- really glad to see you in this space. You know, I, for me, I heard your interview with Kevin Rose uh, a few months back, and I was like, wow, okay, this guy gets it, and he's going to go hard in the paint. So, congrats on 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 doing it. Um, Thank you. I, okay, I guess here's an opening question for you. If, if, if you guys, if you and I talked back in January, and I, yes. and I told you that that you were going to sell your art at a major auction house alongside Andy Warhol. What would you have said to me then? If it was January, if it was before February 13th, which since you said January, that is, I would have laughed and said, man, something very weird happened that I can't even put my finger on. Around Valentine's Day, I did understand that, oh, I'm going to do this, go hard in the pain. I like that analogy. And you know, obviously we all know ourselves the best. What I know about myself is when I, I didn't web one and I didn't web two, when there's something new, the only thing that I know is that I have to do it. Otherwise I don't have the capacity to fully understand it unless I fully operationalize it. I was a poor student, but I've had a lot of operational success and it really comes down to, I'm not great at reading pushups, but I'm very good at doing them. And so, you know, and if you told, you know, this is deja vu in November 2005, if you told me that people would stop me in the street and ask to take a picture, I would have laughed at you. But February 2006, when I did the first episode of Wine Library TV, I, I would have said, oh, you know, this did well. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Wine Library TV. I am Gary Vaynerchuk, Director of Operations here at Wine Library at winelibrary.com, and I am very proud to launch what we think is the uh, first video wine blog. And that's, that's why people are stopping me. I knew on February 14th I was going to doodle, and the assumption I would have been is like, wow, I can't believe how fast that got popular if you told me the Christie's reality. So, yeah, I think you know this. I think a lot of people watching knows this. The speed in which technology um, moves today is so fast because the communication infrastructure is now in place. The Twitches, the YouTubes, the TikToks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Discords, the podcasts. So much can happen so fast. And in NFT land, when innovation is happening at a rapid pace and communication is happening at a rapid pace, you hear, you hear a lot of people comment things like, man, I can't believe that was only two weeks ago. Like NFT land, everything goes so crazy. Like yeah, timing, right? Level. Yeah, it really is next level. It even, at, And so we didn't have that with Web2 because Web2 built the rails of communication. So when you were trying to make things happen fast in Web2, you had to rely on blogs. Wine Library TV first lived on winelibrarytv.com, not on YouTube. I embedded the YouTube, you remember this, we would embed the videos from YouTube onto your dot coms and you just didn't have yeah, like- you looked the at it in, like, in a blog format, you know, mm -hmm. one by one. That's right. Now, you know, you can post one TikTok, nobody on earth knows who you are and the virality can take over and you find yourself in it. And so I think um, I, think I would have been blown away. You know, I'm an immigrant. You know, and my parents are only 20 years older than me, 20 and 22 years older than me. So much, even at 46 years old, is completely predicated on how it's going to make my parents feel. So I think when you would say the Christie's thing immediately, especially because I know my parents always liked the Christie's, Sotheby's things, but never really kind of spent those real numbers, you know, would go and cherry pick the smallest thing. Um that's what would have went through my mind, like, oh man, they're gonna be so pumped. And did you watch? Did you watch the auction with your parents? What did they think? It was actually devastating. It was my first. It was like my third speech in two years that I had in San Diego. So I actually was very fortunate because I, they told me the timing that the doodles would go off, and I was gonna be in the air. So I was following along in the air. Wi-Fi was strong, thank God, but I didn't have the stream. I just had the chat and kind of like my brother chatting with me and things of that nature. But literally I watched, and this is just almost so like apropos, I watched the pieces go off in the San Diego airport because I'd just come off the plane and just caught the timing and was sitting like in the food courtyard not, before you could even exit the airport and watch them go off, which was a real fun thrill. Amazing. What, what am I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, because you I'm, I'm with you. I believe, you know, you are what you do. And I think companies are the same. Like you are what you practice, period. Mm -hmm. Life is a practice. So that that resonates with me and the, the way that I approach things as well. And at the same time, I know that when you jump into something like this, you always get surprises. Yes. You know, so what you've done has been, you know, super successful. But like what about it has gone differently than you expected? And how have you had to course correct? Because the speed things are moving. We also have to course correct more quickly than ever. Hmm. You know, so VFriends v is a 40-year execution from day one. That's how I saw it. I, one of the great things of producing so much content is you've got a real track of receipts 
So there's just an ungodly amount of content from 2014 to 2019 where I make so many references to Walt Disney and Vince McMahon and storytelling and character creation. I mean, I, I have a video that the team is going through right now. I had a meeting in 2018 to create something called Workplace Warriors, which were desktop toys for people because I was getting so many DMs that people were having bad days at work. And then I was, one day I got like four of them go to the bathroom out of my office, walk by a bunch of my employees and see Simpsons, Star Wars, Transformers. And I was like, you know, so many people have these tchotchkes at work to give them a little escapism, to show a little bit of what they're into, probably to smile for a second. I was like, you know, I'm going to make these workplace warriors, Empathy Elephant, Patient Panda, and I'm going to sell these toys. I've always wanted to do collectibles and I'll do a nice little side business and a lot of people are going to benefit from it. So V Friends, literally the two core characters, my Buzz Lightyear and Woody, are Patient Panda and Empathy Elephant. They were invented a long time ago. And I've always thought of it as like my core, like that's what I'm going to, I'm going to be more Walt Disney one day in people's minds than whatever. Why am I saying that? Um, I don't even think I created any expectations, Ian, in my mind in year one to allow for surprise, which is an interesting insight. Yeah, it's like like I knew that it could get delayed. It got delayed. Uh, I mean, I had a devastating event. We had a small piece of code that was wrong that made people, we, we, didn't, we didn't cap the gas fees. And so for the first hour of a Dutch auction, everybody thought they were paying $35,000 in gas fees. And it collapsed my launch. I, I, you know, listen, BeFriends is so massively successful. I think there was about $51 million in upfront sales. But the truth is, I would have moonwalked over 100 had I not had that MetaMask issue, code issue. Uh, ETH was at an all-time high the day BeFriends lost at the time. It collapsed from 4,100 to 1,700 within a like 30, 50-day period. I had not washed it for tax. So I had incredibly anxious moments through the summer. Talk about diamond hands on Ethereum. I was, yeah. I had a massive commercial success and I was financially underwater. I had a bigger tax liability than I had, which was incredibly devastating for a little while, you know? Um, but forced innovation made me think through a lot of things. Um, I, I anticipated that VFriends, cause they were, it was very important. You know, it's funny, talk about things moving fast. In February, January, one of the things that really spoke to me about NFT land was provenance and like where it came from. A word you don't hear at all now, literally within a year, gone out of the lexicon. A year ago, such a topic of conversation. Today, I don't think I've seen the word for over 100 days in any place on Discord or Twitter. It was a very important thing for me that the characters, though I will develop them over time, that the original characters were drawn by me from my heart, from my soul, from my essence, from my DNA. But I knew that they would not be default PFPs like CryptoPunks at the time. And then, you know, incredibly um, timely, the great PFP project of, of Board Ape launched a week, right in that same week, week before, would have launched, I think, the same day if I kept my time frame, like right in that same pocket. And, you know, Cool Cats and, and, and other projects like that Creatures, World of Women, Board Ape, many others. V Friends doesn't get the brand benefit that those do because they're just not attractive PFPs. 
even my best friends, my best friend employees, partners in crime, biggest quote unquote fans and enthusiasts um, have like tier four PFPs in their Twitter profile right now instead of a V friend, which is their blue chip. So that, um, that I kind of anticipated, uh, it's played out even more aggressively than I anticipated. So that I would call that not a surprise, but almost maybe affirmation to something I knew would happen. And, and I think the PFP part has become way too big part of the equation currently, in my opinion, which is why I'm so worried that people are going to get caught and yeah. lose. Um, but well, that, that brings please, me to two questions I wanted to please. ask. I mean, one, one is one is kind of uh, you know making a prediction. The other one is related to what you're saying directly, which is so you know it's not a PFP. Then you know how do you think about the value of V friends, um, and how do you think your community thinks about that value, and how do you and then, and then, you know, we're talking a little bit about what happens over the next 12 months, which, by the way, you know, anybody who tells you they know is a liar. But I think you and I both like to, you know, like to think about Try what might happen. Yeah. And, and the, really, the question for me is more like, where are we in this NFT journey? Because there's no where, question. Where, I just want to, like, put yeah. a pin in something. Like, yeah. you, you, said, you said that, like, you know, you, the way you learn things is operationally. Yeah. You also pointed out, and I just want to say that this is, this is what you, you know, this is what you do and that what a, a lot of people have too much fear to do is to jump in, even though you could have like a $25 million tax liability to jump in and, and go, look, we're going to do this, you know, for better or worse, right. Whatever happens. Cause we, you know, we, we, we only win, right. Cause we either win or we learn. Correct. And, and so I guess, I guess putting that all together for us, like, you know, yeah. what, what, what is the value? And then yeah. you zoom out. And yeah. Let's break, let's, 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 let's break them down. Let's go back to the top. What do I see the value and what do I think my community perceives? I think my community perceives, a big portion of my community perceives the value to be in VCon, the three-year conference. They're like, look, this is a $5,000 ticket. So this thing's at least worth 15. So I think, I think that's uh, part of it. Uh, I think a lot of people in my community who bought it viewed it as, I just trust Gary. He has a 20-year track record. I'm tired of being wrong about him. He was right about TikTok. He was right about the, 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 the fuck it. I'm going to go. Um, yeah. I think a very small percentage who's very deep in the project believes that I'm trying to build Disney Pokemon Transformers and believe that that's going to have a collectible value as like the first sell, uh, which I think will have some validity. Um, here's how I view it, which I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. Somebody said yesterday to me during a Q&A, Gary, what if I launch a project and do an accidental rug pull? And I stopped him and I said, you can't. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, let's talk it through. You launched and have a successful $5 million sale the day before the whole thing hits the shit bucket fan. It's like having an IPO in January of 2020 in the tech sector and we were six weeks away from the whole thing falling. <clears throat> unlike, unlike a kid who launched her or his company on January 15th IPO and the, at $130 a share went up to 210 and then literally on April 1st at 16 cents she and he in 2000 couldn't do anything because the market finally got off the froth and started saying are you making any money and that was it there's like they couldn't make money out of nowhere in 2 seconds when they hadn't built a money to a business to make money they were stuck let me tell you why, how I see it, Ian. And I think I've not heard this at all. And this is why I jumped all in, by the way, because why in the world would I risk my entire 20-year track record and really building something meaningful 
and then be this wrong on something that's this volatile and this new. And here's why. The contract, the technology. I forever, and this kid, I said, when your rug pull happens, what did you do with that $5 million? What do you have to offer to your community? See, the reason I'm betting on people, Danny Cole creatures, he'll be an artist if he has a dollar or a billion dollars, and there's comfort for me in that, that when the shit hits the fan, he'll start creating something more epic for his people. To me, the way I view the value is I won't let it lose. The shit hits the fan. I promised you three VCons. The market completely collapses. I can decide, because the technology exists, that go to this website, click in, prove that you're a VFriend holder right now. I will give you five more years of VCon tickets and 50 virtual two-hour sessions with me, which commands real dollars. And I will give that to you, and you don't have to keep the VFriend. I'm just giving you an extra five VCons and 50 sessions as a side NFT, airdropped, but you don't have to keep the VFriend ever over these next five years of this. Immediately, I have now deposited value into the economy. I can say for the people that have the most expensive ones, I'm giving you five-hour consultations on your business or nonprofit. That has a remarkably high value in the marketplace. I know what people pay for that. It's an incredibly intoxicating feeling, Ian. I'm willing to mortgage opportunities of the next decade to make whole the people that bet on me in 2020. I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that. Yeah. I every, every single creator of a project will be exposed for her or his intent when this shit hits the fan because they have the ability to make good. They can't do what they did with IPOs in 2000 and say, sorry, woe is me. We have to shut the doors. They can continue to contribute value in perpetuity. If Stephen Ray from Brain Vomit wants to say, okay, I know my things now are worth a penny, but if you own one of these, you can come to California and I'm doing art classes once a week you can do it virtually. Like You can continue to provide value. You could take some of that incredible money you made. Hopefully, you didn't buy a boat and a private jet and a house. And Stephen or the World of Women team or Sarah Bauman from Women and Weapons, they could take that money and make physical paintings and ship it for free for every hold. They could. So I knew that I had a lot of value to bring the world outside of it as who I am, and that I was willing to mortgage a decade to get through, and it might be three years of, you know, Web 2.0 was really only three years, right? We really, by 2004 or five, things were quote unquote coming back. Um, so it is the, I view the value in that I'm a man of great selfishness on my reputation to those who actually know me. I'm very comfortable because I'm so out there to be misunderstood, taken out of context. Uh, I also am empathetic. I have some pretty high energy and a lot of conviction and it doesn't land all the time for everyone. And I'm, I, I understand that. I appreciate that. I don't think they're wrong or trolls. I think I get excited at times and like out of context and especially if the person's not in the right mood, they could be turned off. I don't mind that people think that my, my project is third grade doodles and they think it was a money grab. They don't know. But I know that the next decade is going to prove who I am. And I think that 
there's going to be a small percentage of those people. That to me is the value that the track record of who I am and how I operate for my, it's selfish. It's my reputation. Of course it's selfish. Less I care so deeply about those who bet the farm on me. This was a high risk bet, but we are the creators of every project at NFT land are in full control and airdropping more NFTs when they're all worthless isn't going to cut it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Everyone, everyone built a, they, they built a club you, and, and people and people joined and people joined your club. And now you're either going to give them, you're, you're going to give them value or it's your reputation. And now, what I will say, because it's an important part of the final piece of the conversation is we have to be careful not to create too much entitlement. When I bring all this value, I will remind many people that you could have sold VFriends for a massive profit for nine months, eight years, two, two years, whatever. And so it's going to be a funny balancing act because I'm going to over-deliver, but, but people, a lot of people that are holding NFTs will not take on the responsibility that they didn't play it properly and they're going to blame the creators for something that they, they could have clicked accept a hundred thousand times on OpenSea. Uh, I think that's, you know, it's hard to know how to do, <laughs> you know. It's, it's... Yeah. I mean, but the question, because, here's a big one though. Please make decisions based on your actual financial situation. If you're playing with money that you can afford to lose to zero, well, then you can hold out if you think you got something. If there's people watching and listening right now that, you know, 60% of their net worth or this very expensive V friend. I don't, I want everyone to diamond hands because I'm going to come through, but I'll tell you right now, if you're $8,000 in debt, in credit card debt, you have this $1,800 balance in your bank account and you have a $67,000 offer on a V friend that you paid 3,000 for, you might be at the right time in your life cycle to hit accept. Like, I appreciate you believe in me. I appreciate you believe in Board Ape. I appreciate you believe in punks. I appreciate you believe in, you know, whomever and whatever. But like, you've got to be very, 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 very thoughtful that if you minted an epic doodle at 0.08 and now you can sell it for 10 ETH, 40, $38,000, if you really need that money and we're in this gold rush greed centric moment, Please be eyes wide open that this might be the right time to sell. Hundred percent. You get a ten x, take it. Many yeah. many ten, cases in life. Ten, or if you're in a fortunate position where you're playing with something that gave you a ten x, but it really really is okay if it goes back down to zero, and you believe you could hundred x it. Look, Amazon was a ten x for a lot of people in two thousand six because they bought in two thousand one. If they needed the money, then that was right. But if they didn't. Well, it was massively wrong because at 50x from there, or whatever the math exactly. is, I'm saying I'm throwing it around. But so where where are we in this in this cycle, and where and where does this go? And one of the things I want to talk to you about is, you know, just other uses of this. I mean, you you've got the restaurant in New yeah. York now, but I also have heard you talk about, you know, what this means for brands. I just spent the last you know five plus years at, at LVMH, and now I'm on the board of Dr. Martin, so I'm constantly thinking about what yeah. this means for brands and yeah. when an NFT with every purchase. You know, so what, what does this look like, you know, you know, next year or even two years from now for you? Because I, there's no question it looks a hell of a lot different than today. I mean, I, this, yeah. is, this is 1998 and yeah. the iPhone comes in 2008. Yeah. Right? So. That's right. Um, I don't know, but I do know this. I think when credit cards came into society, they completely changed the way people behaved. You know, in the 70s, when most people didn't have a credit card, you kind of paid with cash and like, 
dropping four G's, you had to put those $40 bills on the counter and it felt, you felt something, you know, even if you wrote the check, you kind of, it felt something, the credit card made it feel different. I had a discussion last night with some people over dinner where they're like, man, I'm in real trouble. I spend ETH like it's not real, you know, like, oh, it's only one ETH, but I would never buy that for $4,000. Um, I also think that brands need to think about membership uh, clubs, um, reward points. Why did airlines explode in activity in gamifying people to fly more to hit their rewards? You know, um, simple things like the restaurant that makes you buy 10 pizzas and the 11th one is for free. The gamification of enhancing a purchase because they get something as the value of NFTs become not only perceived value, but actual value. It, it becomes very obvious to why somebody would buy a $800 pair of sneakers because they also get a free NFT and they believe and even know that there's a dark horse chance, even at scale when there's too much supply, even then, that there's a dark horse chance if this beautiful, amazing new artist named Virgil goes on to become the icon that Virgil Abloh was, oh, wait a minute, this little NFT I got for buying this sneaker may be worth more than $800 in four years. So this is a really fun purchase. I might've, this is what people are gonna do. I might've bought this sneaker for free or because we all love to flex. I mean, last night, the first ticket stub from Michael Jordan's first basketball game sold for $250,000, right? The ticket stub. So you can imagine again, for a brand, you activate at Coachella, and if somebody comes and does something, you're giving them an NFT. And that per, and then maybe that's the one where the you know, hologram of Biggie performs and that becomes like an advancement for what we saw from the Tupac hologram. And that became the beginning of hologram for realness in society. And then thus a historic event. And then thus that NFT that you got at Coachella is a collectible. Because if you go to eBay right now and see what people buy, newspapers, tickets, like, you know, just like empty boxes from, you know, LVMH, you know this, people go on eBay and buy the empty boxes of luxury brands. Why? Because usually they probably put something in it to make, you know, maybe it's a fake version of something. Like there's so many reasons we do things. We, it's how we socialize. The, the biggest way humans communicate with each other is not through words and not through the written word. It's literally through what we purchase. We are communicating through what we purchase in such a big way. And again, talk about the luxury of your career. Spending six years in LVMH, not knowing, and I know you had a pretty incredible career prior to that where there were some places that played on this, but I would argue that from afar, that the LVMH ecosystem of so many years of doing it, so ingrained in the culture, um, you really get an insight to why people actually buy those goods. And I think That's NFT, exactly right. yeah, so I think- it's identity. It's tribalism. It's saying right. I'm a part of this tribe and I'm not a part of that tribe. And you know this. You get a very, 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 very rare handbag from China or Hong Kong or London. And you're an affluent individual that lives in L.A. You come back on your private jet with enormous pride that you have this. And you can't wait to flex like a motherfucker. And you're going to go to the Grammys party. and You're going to go to Diddy's white party. and You're going to do this. So you get some eyes on it that way social became such an intoxicating thing because you could also then take that photo and that would scale your flex, which is why I understood social from day one. I'm like, ooh, this is gonna allow people to do what they do at scale. Well, 
that photo kind of eventually gets buried in the feed. The event is only a one-time event and there's only so many humans that saw you. As we get the scale and people seeing each other's public wallets, that flex plays long. That's and that's exactly, what- exactly what I've been saying. The other thing about it is, of course, it's global and it's always on. Correct. So in the in the Vuitton Supreme drop, I bought a Vuitton Supreme skate case. Yes. There are not so many of them. And yes. uh, you know, and it's it's um, you know, it's it that that thing uh, cost me what would today be about about four ETH, and it's worth you know ten plus today, right? Yeah. So now imagine uh, if that thing was part of a global, always on market where anyone could bid on it at any time, it would actually have more value of course there's no friction flex has more value and the item has more value there's there's way more demand on the other side because it's touchable by everyone and it's a more fun event for you because there's no friction so many people have things in their home of value so i love garage sailing you know you have a 39 dollars item in your home you just have no interest in listing it on ebay and shipping it out for the $6 after the fees, but it's worth zero to you. It's in your attic, it's in your garage. That's at the everyday level. You go into the premium level, you have people that are literally have suits and ties and, and rings and shoes and clothes and tchotchkes in their home that are two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 that right this second are worth zero to them. They're done with it, it's in the closet that somebody in the world would be thrilled to pay if this thing is worth two, 1400 Too much friction. When that goes on to the blockchain, it is going to completely change yeah. the consumerization of our society. This is the thing. I, I mean, I always, I'm constantly encouraging when I talk to, say, executives at LVMH, I say, put something valuable in your wallet and register on OpenSea. Because yeah. now your eyes will go like this because you'll be, you'll, you'll receive offers all day, every day, and that will change your mind about where this goes. Because once you have a market which is global, always on, always liquid, and people are you know, asking me if they can buy things from me that I am not selling, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's, an, it's insane. And also, you're right about that flex, but also the, the veracity of the flex. Oh, I yeah. see you with that Vuitton bag on Instagram. You borrow that from a friend or is that yours? Oh, wait, let me look in your wallet. Oh, it's yours. I mean, that's... I think- I think the other, and, and that's the next 24 months where we still stay into the digital goods, the collectibles, the art, where it gets really fun looking three, five years out is why we started this Fly Fish Club, a restaurant that's a club that aspires to be on the level of like, my friend Scott has zero bond in New York, what an incredible execution. You look at the historical nature of Rayos in Manhattan, in New York City, where people own the table, so you can't even get in. Um, but, but now we're talking about real life use. We, you know, Q, you know, Q4, 2022, Q1, 2023, David Rodelitz, Chef Connor, Chef Capon and I will open up a restaurant club that is going to really matter in Manhattan, the epicenter of the world. People like, you're going to fly in, like, that's where you're going to want to go. And what's crazy is unlike asking a friend to get you into Soho house or asking Scott to get into Ciro Bond or what are all the other places around the world? You could on the flight from Paris say, I'm going there tonight, and you go to OpenSea and you buy the token and you're in. That's insane. It's also insane for the people that were right about a country club that was the third country club in their area, but it got good. And the fees to get in went from 10,000 to 100,000. 
but they didn't really benefit from that other than they got into their country club that they wanted at a better price. In this scenario, it's an asset. You know, it's an asset. If we go out and execute and you paid eight, you know, two ETH to get into the club, you went 16 times, but you're done with it. You're like, which is the right thing, right? Like no matter how hot any restaurant is, you eventually, I mean, I've gone to restaurants back-to-back nights sometimes when I've lost my mind. I'll go another six times, but somewhere around time, eight, 12, 15, you know, you want to try something else out. The fact that all of a sudden that can become, like you made a profit at out of enjoyment, that's unheard of. So that's yeah, that's going to be a use case. I'm very big on, I, I saw a kid the other day, I clipped this, I put it on Instagram because I hope it helps some people. I'm very interested in the idea of the receipt becoming an NFT, the receipt. So again, you think about a Chanel or a Tiffany's or a Cartier, you know, forget, not put the price amount on it, but you get a receipt, but you also get an NFT because you bought something, they have leverage. They can go get the emerging, amazing new artists. Again, I keep going back to what if you bought Banksy or, or Warhol or Pollock or Ablo or anybody else early, like it, it works out. You know, if Cartier finds the next big artist who made their receipts for holiday 2022 and everybody that bought something got a different variation NFT and then six years later, she became the one. Well, those were, I mean, that's amazing. And by so the way, they're limited by definition because they correct. were only available for a certain period of time. It's correct. not an infinite amount that were made. It's not an infinite amount of people who bought during that time. It's a moment in time. Let I, me let me let me say this because I know I know our careers will probably draw in some really good marketers watching this. This is a profound statement. NFTs have created the first time in history where I think emphatically we can say that marketing is on the precipice of becoming a profit center instead of a cost center. Right. I mean, for you and I, like, I don't know if anybody can see this, like it's goosebumps. Like yeah, that's, 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 that's insane. Man, we leave it there. That was incredible. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Like, Really You're great welcome. to see you. And great thank you, you for being a part of this. Um, and, and really the space, like I said, I, me- I meant it as soon as I, I was running, I heard you on Kevin's show and I was like, Oh, here we go. Here we go. You know, and we're all, we're off to the races and, uh, and, and you really done it. So I just talked to the team. Um, we're, I, we've done recording Mo. we can edit from there, but just talk to the team about about vcon so i think we have a good idea for that good um and i mean yeah i think there's a there's a ton anytime 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 ping me every day mo such a pleasure i love being on this this thread with your peoples too it's like yeah it's fun it's a good crew it's fun and it's kind it's it's thoughtful yeah yeah exactly good good, really good people awesome brother thanks take care stay well have an awesome day i'll see you thanks a lot bye-bye That's it, a fascinating conversation with Gary V and Ian Rogers. If you've enjoyed it, please hit that subscribe button because on the ledger we'll be bringing you the best of Web3. And if you want to explore the world of crypto and NFTs, we've got you covered with Ledger Academy, School of Block and Down the Rabbit Hole. So be sure to check them out on YouTube. This was On the Ledger from Paris with your host Moel Said. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.